Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm closer to 50 than you are, Mark, as we were just talking about, you know, about 18 months off. And yeah, to, to think of, you know, slowing down because of age, that's a complete load of bollocks. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hey, welcome back to episode number 42 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. And we are back with Dr. Julie Coffey, and we're getting further and further into our functional medicine approach. Just before we get started, and that is that as I'm recording this, I've had a little bit of a cold, okay? The, the old dreaded common cold. It's it's just after Christmas. It's, it's not unusual for us to get colds. We've been in different people's houses. Heating's been on, you know, breeding all that bacteria. Um, but it is very unusual for me to get a cold. Very, very unusual. Now, it's a good time to share this, and it's genuinely true story. I haven't taken any medication for this cold. I haven't gone to the old, uh, I don't know if I can name products, but the, the warm drinks that you make, the lemon-flavoured warm drinks that you might just add your hot water to um, that contain some paracetamol. I haven't gone down the paracetamol route. I haven't, haven't gone down the nose inhalers or anything like that. All I've done is a little bit of rest. I've taken Oscar out for a walk. I've got some fresh air, made sure that I've wrapped up. And I've, and I've had some green juices and, and that's it. And and this is the whole point of these episodes is that I can't mask it. I've got a cold. Well, no matter how you dress it up, if I take pills, it's not really going to get rid of the cold any quicker. It might get rid of a little bit of the headache and things like that. But there's other ways around it. And the reason I've got a cold maybe this time of year is because I'm a little bit run down. Um, I don't feel it particularly. I've had a nice little break over Christmas, but but it's an... It's the end of the year and January, as you might guess, for a health coach is quite a busy time. So this, although it's the end of the year, there's still plenty of work to be done and I'm still working every day. Maybe I am a little bit run down and maybe that's the reason for it. But but then popping pills isn't the answer. I've got to make sure that, and particularly over the Christmas period, you know, you find you eat quite a bit of beige food, quite a bit of grey food. There's, there's probably more chocolate and sweets and crisps and things going in that you'd normally have. And probably, without the routine of of day-to-day life, probably not so many fruits and vegetables going in. And that's another reason. My immune system's down a little bit. I'm not taking in the nutrients that I normally would. So I've just made sure that I've I've had a big green juice today. I've had a couple of them. I'm drinking plenty of water. I've got some fresh air and I've had a little bit of rest. That's my way of dealing with it. And it will work and it will go. I wouldn't be surprised if I wake up tomorrow morning and the cold has gone. I don't need to be taking pills and, and hot drink medication to get rid of the cold. And this is what myself and, and Julie and Lacey will try and get across, that there's other ways to treat your illnesses. Common illnesses such as the cold, there are other ways around it. You don't have to resort to the medicine cabinet all the time. And this can this can roll out into, into every area of your life. We're not just talking about common illnesses. This getting to the root cause of things can be taken everywhere. You, you could look at this in your relationships, maybe. If you're finding that, for example, that maybe you're you're going from relationship to relationship and maybe they're only lasting 18 months, two years each time, and you might keep thinking to yourself, oh, I keep meeting the wrong man or the wrong woman, or I keep doing this, I keep doing that, and maybe they're not right for me, I'm looking in the wrong places. Maybe go to the root cause and maybe 
maybe it's actually the way that you're behaving in the relationship that is causing the problem. Not not saying that is the case with you listening to this now, but but you get my point that you can roll this 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 methodology out to every part of your life. Maybe if you keep struggling with with your work life, maybe you keep going into bad jobs and you never get on well with your managers and so on. Maybe you're in the wrong industry. Maybe the job itself isn't the problem. Maybe it's just the matchup between you and that profession. Maybe you might need to look at training for another profession. Maybe try to find your passion in another industry. So there's always a root cause and there's always a way around it, whether that be your health, your work-life balance, your relationships, whatever area of your life that may be, there's always a root cause and you can always go back to that and address that right from the very beginning. But with all that said, let's dive straight back into this now. This is part two with Dr. Julie Coffey from Sheffield and United Kingdom. And this is episode number 42 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Hi, Julie. Welcome back. Part two. Hi, Mark. Good to be back. It's great. I can't wait to get started. Um, We've talked just briefly about televisions um, because I said at the end of part one that I sat down and watched TV but I, I don't really watch TV and you've just told me that you don't have a TV in your house, um, which got us to talking about our parents and this, this way we think our life should be. Um, my parents, for example, will sit down in the evening, they'll finish their dinner at half five and they'll watch TV all night. And, um, and I know a lot of people do the same and it seems that we're conditioned to think once we get to a certain time in our life, we must do certain things and we must behave a certain way. Once we get to 50, we must slow down and watch TV in the evenings, that kind of thing. I'll be honest with you, I think that's a load of crap. I don't want to spend my nights watching TV. I don't want to slow down and, uh, be, you know, go to bed at nine o'clock reading books. I want to make the most of my life. I'm only here once. I don't want to sit down and watch, watch a TV program for six hours every night. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm closer to 50 than you are, Mark, as we were just talking about, you know, about 18 months off. And yeah, to, to think of, you know, slowing down because of age, that's a complete load of bollocks. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of health expectations and uh, as people get older. Yeah, but the TV thing, you know, I, I found myself in a position where I didn't have a TV in the house two and a half years ago and thought, well, uh, do I want another one? I've been offered a free one, but I thought, no, I'm going to try try without it. And um realized that you know on the main it was pretty useless time that I was spending um and I I I feel, genuinely feel now I wouldn't have time to have tv because you know I'm doing stuff that I enjoy in the evening you know talking with people having dinner with people listening to music you know reading making plans about the work that I do these days and I just don't know where to be would fit in i really don't know where it fit in yeah how many people come to you and I'm, I'm guessing your parents might do this like mine do as well and that they'll start a conversation with oh have you watched such and such on tv and the amount of times i have to say no dad i don't watch tv and don't get me wrong like we said before i do watch the odd bits and pieces i watch the odd bit of netflix on my ipad or on my laptop that kind of thing but it's generally it's half hour here half hour there just to just when i need to take myself away from my work or something else but um as, as a rule of thumb don't sit down and watch hours worth of tv no i don't i find the anything that i might be interested in watching comes to my attention because somebody will have said you know oh there's this great thing on i might watch it on on the ipad or, or the 
the, the laptop, like you say. Um, so I don't feel like I actually miss out on anything that's actually used, you know, worth watching or worth that little bit of entertainment time because I'll find out about it. I don't have to sit through um, hours of crap to to watch the, you know, the one good thing that's on yeah. every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I always find out about the good stuff. Don't miss out on it. I just miss out on all the rubbish. <laughs> Well, this leads me to, to one big subject we, we want to talk about. And I've got a lady coming on the podcast in a couple of, week, couple of weeks. She's already been on once before, Catherine Knights. And we're doing a digital detox. And we're going to spend 24 hours without any digital um, use whatsoever. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how we coped on the podcast. Um, now, one thing that I think this is going to help with massively is my sleep. Because we don't associate, or a lot of us don't associate the effect that particularly the blue light on our phones, our iPads, our laptops, everything else, our TV has on our sleep. And I know this is something that you've talked about a lot recently. How much is sleep or I wouldn't even say lack of sleep, but poor quality sleep as well affecting our health? Massively. It's massively, massively affecting our health in terms of our mental health and our physical health. Um, and it's, it's just not kind of recognized. It's not something that's focused on by the medical profession. In fact, you know, when I look at my colleagues and the lack of sleep that they have, you know, if we can't as a profession make it a priority, we're not going to be bringing it into the consultation. Uh, and yet it's, you know, there's a lot of scientific research now proving beyond a doubt the link of chronic, and by that I mean long-term sleep loss and deprivation to all sorts of um, uh, physical disease. You know, in the first part, we talked about um, type 2 diabetes and blood pressure. Um, you can actually do all the great lifestyle stuff, Mark, but if you're chronically sleep deprived, it's going to be really difficult for you to reverse those because health is, is very holistic. It's not about one thing that you put under the microscope. It's like, you know, weight loss is not about just food. It's about all the other kind of things. So sleep, I would say, is, is literally the foundation for good health. And without getting that right in terms of quality and uh, quantity, um, you're not going to be enjoying the, either the mental or physical health that you could be. Yeah. And I think sleep, much like, much like water, there's, there's this sort of generic thing. People come out and say, oh, you should drink two and a half litres of water per day. You should get eight hours of sleep per night. But it's very individual, isn't it? It depends on the person. What, what might be right for you might not be right for me. Kind of. I mean, the, the, the eight hours comes from um, our, our sleep. Generally, we, we sleep in cycles. You know, it's not, it's, it's not this uniform, homogenous thing that we go to sleep and it's just the same all, all night through. We have these cycles of sleep that are about 90 minutes. And um, we're, we're kind of up and down from light sleep to deep sleep, um, the, the dreaming sleep, um, that there might even be a slight sort of wakeful period for a minute or two, which we may or may not be aware of before it all starts again. Um, and most people to, to be really healthy need five cycles a night, which is seven and a half hours, which is where that eight hours comes from. Because obviously you need a little bit of time to fall asleep and ideally a little bit of time to wake up before your alarm clock goes off. Um, where, where people really differ is uh, what's known as your, your chronotype. Uh, and people will understand this a bit better with, you know, are they a morning lark or uh, a night owl? Um, and what I found interesting when I was learning about sleep, Mark, is that this is actually a genetic thing um, where, where our circadian rhythm sits. And this is where people can 
can differ. Um, I mean, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a lark, you know, I, I get up quite easily, I function well in the morning, and I, you know, batteries are draining in the evening. In fact, one of my good friends who I spend a lot of time with is the opposite to me, uh, she's a night owl, and we were actually out last night, and she says, I can see you turning into a pumpkin before my very eyes, and I was like, yeah, I know, because it's nearly bedtime, and I just can't, you know, I can't do it, I have to go home to bed, whereas if we meet up for coffee a bit earlier in the morning than she would like to, it's the same thing. It's just like I'm knocking on her head saying, are you in there? You know, I can see your body's awake, but I don't think your mind is yet. Um, and a lot of people try and override that. And I think actually night owls suffer most in modern society because, you know, work's geared up to start early, school's geared up to start early. Um, and people who are genetically predisposed, you know, genetically a night owl, they have to get up early to go to work or go to school, yeah. but they cannot go to sleep early. Um, and they're particularly at risk of chronic sleep deprivation. And that can have all sorts of knock-on effects to physical health, even has a, a knock-on effect to, to your weight. You know, if you're chronically sleep deprived, you can really struggle to lose your weight, something that diets don't address, obviously. <laughs> no, definitely. And how much... Um... How much benefit do you think there is to a, to a good evening routine or a good pre-bed routine before you actually go to sleep? Oh, it's, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, whether you're an arc or an elm, loads of people are messing up their, their circadian rhythm by the blue light, which you mentioned, which is you know, coming off my laptop right now, comes off our smartphones, it comes off our TVs. Um, it's also coming off the, the modern... Um, light bulbs that we use you know these um the, the environmentally friendly ones they're not yeah. as actually friendly towards us with the the blue light that they admit um blue light me people might think well, what is this blue light if you if, if you look at sunlight when it's split by water and the rainbow um you see blue light within that rainbow and that's what we're talking about when we say blue light and our our brain is more sensitive to blue light than it is the, the, uh, the ambers and the red. And it's the one that suppresses the release of the hormone melanin, which, uh, no, not melanin, that's the stuff you've got in your skin, makes melatonin. you go brown. Melatonin. Melatonin. You know, when, when it's getting a bit darker, um, your melatonin rises, and it's, it's one of the things that triggers you to, to want to go to sleep. But if you're stuck in front of your laptop or looking at the phone all night, you'll delay the, the rise of the melatonin and not just drop your sleep. You can't get off to sleep um, and you don't get the quality of sleep either because it's going to take several hours to, to rise after you've got, actually gone to bed and put the lights out. So it can really mess up the quality and the quantity. Yeah, it can. And I, we're talking about the blue light. And I know nowadays you can get blue light glasses, which, which block this blue light going into your head. But, as, as I said to you, I, I've been on a video call this morning um, to someone in New Zealand for over an hour. I've had about 20 minutes gap and then I've jumped on a call with you again in front of a laptop. And, I, and I'm sitting here with what is like a, the start of a headache, maybe. It's just kind of, <coughs> you can just feel it there. Um, mm. And a lot of people would think, I'll go downstairs after this and I'll, I'll get some paracetamol, I'll get some ibuprofen to get rid of the headache. I know for a fact that the best thing for me now after this podcast is to go down, get a glass of water, take my dog out for a walk. That will clear my headache. Getting away from the blue light, getting some fresh air into my lungs, that's going to make the difference. 
Yeah, and that's exactly the same I'm going to do. I'm going to grab Lulu after we finish talking. Fresh air, sun's actually out. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Glass of water as well. Yeah. Yeah, simple, simple, easy things. I think people forget. Um, I think human beings have this arrogance almost, and they forget that they are a biological, physiological thing that needs that, those kind of things to support it. You know, all our technology and, uh, and all of this kind of stuff, I think we actually forget, you know, our roots and what, what, we, what we still are. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, when, when you were talking just now about circadian rhythm, just for the people who don't know, you're talking about like the daily cycle, aren't you? Our, our own daily cycle. Yeah, the 24-hour body clock thing that's, yep. that's heavily influenced by light and dark. Um, and, you know, we mess that up with the artificial light that we uh, allow into our, our eyes and our body in the evening. Uh, we can have more control over that, um, but we need to know, perhaps educate ourselves as to the damage it's doing to our sleep. Because um, um, I know when I learned about this, I, I'm really changed my routine in the evening you know a couple of hours before i go to bed i really minimize the the blue light that's going into my eye my eyes never had a problem going to sleep but i suspected that i might be messing up the quality um and it does definitely help yeah and sticking to that circadian rhythm how much stock do you put in in having that routine and going to bed pretty much the same time every night and having that that kind of structure to your 24-hour body clock yeah, I mean, to, to, to have great quality sleep, the, the ideal is to have a, have a, a schedule. I'm actually putting a course together at the moment because it it's, it's a question I get asked time and time again about the readers of my blog. Um, I, so I, I do have a sleep schedule, and as a, as a kind of an early bird, it doesn't seem to matter what time I go to bed, I'm a, I wake up at a similar time in the morning. Um, so that bit's that bit's fairly fixed for me. So, um, and this is why my friend quite rightly t- points out, I turn into a pumpkin, you know, beyond a certain time in, in the evening. Um, yeah, sometimes I go over it because sometimes I just think, well, you know, sod it. I, I want a night out and I don't want to go home to early to bed. I'll, you know, I'll be out and I'll soldier on. Um, cause you, you know, every, every now and then it, it doesn't matter, you know, got life to live as well. So, you know, I'm not goody two shoes, uh, you know, every, every day, every day of the week. Hey, this is Mark Slight from Health Buddy. I want to know if you've taken the Health Buddy Challenge yet. A short five day program that covers every aspect of your life so that you can look, move and feel your best. If you want to try the Health Buddy Challenge, head over now to healthbuddy.fit and take the challenge today. But it, is, but it is important. I mean, I, I, I come from philosophy. It's what you do most of the time that's important. You know, you don't have to be an angel of perfection with, it, with any of this healthy life stuff you know, all the time to enjoy sort of great health. Yeah, but I, I always say that 90% of the time, if, if you can make things, if you can do good things 90% of the time, you're generally onto a bit of a winner there. It's, it's when the, the bad habits, if you like, become routine and become normal. That, that's when you're in a little bit of trouble. We, oh, we all like a little bit of processed food every now and again. We all like a little bit of chocolate or something, but it's within that 5 to 10% bracket. That's not the norm to have the chocolate and the processed food. Well, it isn't, uh, unless you want to come and see someone like me in my surgery um, to you know, get your pills and you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's choices at the end of the day, isn't it, Mark? You make your choice to, to eat that kind of rubbish, and then you have to accept the consequences. It's all cause and effect. That's it. Yeah, your results are a direct action of your choices throughout life. 
Um, you said you said about the weight, the sleep and the weight thing that, that you mentioned a minute ago. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in not just the pre-bed routine as well, but the morning routine that sets people up for the day. And I always say that their morning routine starts about an hour before they go to bed. Because that exactly like you've just said, the, the quality of the sleep you have dictates your morning routine. Because, okay, in an ideal world, you have this great morning routine. You're probably going to get up, have a glass of water, maybe do a little bit of meditation. You're going to, you know, you've got this, this ideal 15 minutes, might do a little bit of yoga or some exercises, whatever. Um, if you don't get the quality of sleep or the quantity of sleep the night before, that morning routine kind of goes out the window because you wake up, you feel like shit. You want to then, instead of having your perfect sort of breakfast that you might have in a good morning routine, you suddenly think, I need something sugary. I need something to pick me up and raise my mood because I feel like I, I, need a, I don't need a glass of water. I need a coffee. You know, I need to go out and have mm. big coffee and pastry. So again, the, the sleep just, just dictates every, well, the way your day runs, I think, from that point on. Oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, if you're not getting the, the sleep that you need, um, it messes up the hormones that control your appetite. And it's, it messes up the impulse control that you have in your brain. So you, you, you've messed up your hormones, which means that you're going to feel more hungry for food. And by that, I mean, you are actually going to be driven to need, need more calories, eat more calories than you need. Uh, and there also is this draw to the sugary stuff, the fast release stuff, you know, the refined carbs, you know, the white bread, the pastries, um, you know, all that kind of rubbish. You're drawn to that when you're sleep deprived. Um, so you have this kind of, well, it's, it's even more than double whammy because if you're sleep deprived, not firing on all cylinders, even if you manage to drag yourself out and do some exercise, you won't put into it what you would if you were feeling alert and good. Uh, and you won't move around naturally as much during the day either. So, you know, you have this triple whammy. I'm sure I could think of a few more, but you know, there's loads of reasons why lack of sleep will really hamper any weight loss efforts. In fact, lack of sleep has been shown to make you fat yep. for all of those reasons. And you're also saying there that lack of sleep is, is a good trigger for type 2 diabetes as well, because the food that you want to put into your body when you're tired and lethargic is the is the simple carbohydrates, the high sugar foods, which gives you this, this energy spike and this, you know, the peaks and the troughs, which ultimately lead to type two diabetes. Yes, there is. Yeah, the, you, you, if you look at sleep and all of the common illnesses that I would see as a GP, there's, there's a link to lack of sleep with them. So for some people that could be one of the, the major causes, uh, causes, or at least a big contributing factor. So whenever I'm seeing anybody with these type of illnesses, type two diabetes, blood pressure, heart disease, I always ask about their sleep. That's one of my standard questions. How's your sleep? And they look at me gone out because, you know, why would that be important? What's that got to do with the pills, doctor? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's without it, everything else falls apart. Yeah. So, so we've gone from, like full circle here, really, from, from the beginning where we started to say about how your nutrition um, triggers all the, or poor nutrition triggers all these illnesses, um, lack of activity as well. But now we're starting to look at lifestyle factors such as sleep, um, which then triggers your stress management levels. Um, relationships as well are very key. Your environment is key. And like you say, people look at you a little bit gone out sometimes. Like, I've come to you to lose weight, Mark. Why are you talking about my relationship with my husband? Why are you talking about where I'm eating my dinner and getting outside and fresh air? How on earth can this help me to lose weight? But I kind of say, well, you're 40, 50 years old now. You've tried to lose weight for the last 30 years. If that had worked, you wouldn't be coming to me now. So just open your mind up a little bit, start to start to look at some other factors you've never looked at before 
and start to address your whole lifestyle rather than just the food you're putting in your mouth that's it i think you know this the way we do it in medicine as well you know we look at something with blinkers on without looking at the rest of it um and and weight's one of those things so people yeah take the paper bag off your head it's not just about you know what you eat and and the exercise that you're not doing it's about so much more than that um it is holistic because like i was saying you know we're a biological physiological thing that need lots of different things to function really well and they all are interlinked uh, and without looking at all of them and having an overall plan um you're not going to do very well so it's the, the sooner people stop going for the quick fix which doesn't actually work the shortcut which doesn't actually work and look at this holistically uh, and look at getting their body healthy because at the end of the day you know it i know it. a healthy body has its ideal body weight so when you look at everything that makes a healthy body you will get there with your weight loss yeah so how long how long till all gps have this this whole this whole body approach this whole lifestyle approach because I, I know from the in the past when I've been unfortunate enough to need to go to GP, I can almost walk in the surgery and they're kind of typing the prescription out before I've even, I haven't even finished telling you what's wrong with me yet. You know, and you're already trying to try to give me a pill and how long until more GPs start to look at the, the entire package, if you like. I mean, there are, there, there are pockets of GP that are interested in this, but you know, looking at uh, my profession generally, it's called medicine for a reason, you know, um, medical schools were taught about how the body can get unhealthy, diseased and, and ill. Um, I was never taught what health is and how to introduce that into a body. You know, so we'd, we'd learn about everything that goes wrong and then we learn about the pill that puts it right. And, and a lot of the postgraduate education events are supported and sponsored by pharmaceutical country mm-hmm. um, companies, yeah, countries, because they're that, they are that bloody massive these days. But, um, you know, so we've, we've got the education that's sponsored by pharmaceutical uh, companies. We've got the rep at their back giving free gifts, you know, pens and stuff, keeping this stuff in our consciousness and answering questions, which, oh, you know, a lot of it's a load of rubbish. Um, there's a book called, um, I think it's called Big Pharma, that exposes a, a lot of the corruption within the pharmaceutical comp- companies in the in terms of the, the research that's buried, the the research that doesn't support their drug as the new one drug and, and only presented to the public the stuff that shows their drugs in, in a favorable, favorable light. You know, a lot of GPs aren't even aware of this, so the patients aren't. The patient comes to, to us uh, and trust us to do the best for them. GPs are running around like blue-ass flies at the moment because I don't know if the government's hell-bent on crushing this profession but we haven't even got time to think and question. So we are working towards guidelines, you know, guidelines that the government provide us. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes I really wonder who advises them as regards to these guidelines. And especially, you know, it's all one size fits all these days. And people aren't the same, you know. Um, they're not the same. They've got the different bodies, different genes. They've got different lives, different all sorts of things. And yet... Um, we we are taught to follow guidelines and make everybody the same, uh, put everybody in the same box, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Do you do you feel that? I mean, how much? How long do you get with a patient? Is it ten minutes? Ten minutes. Do Do you find that almost now the the your ability to maybe really 
delve into the, the history of a patient and to give your your honest opinion and, and maybe look a little bit deeper into the to the root causes of things is taken away because we live in a very litigious society where that there's steps and guidelines that I'm sure you must follow that if a patient comes to you with such and such, they must have this pill and then they must go on this course. They must do this, this and this. If a patient was to, to pass away in your care and they say, well, actually you, you missed out stage four of this section. Do you feel under a lot of pressure to follow these guidelines specifically that are laid out for you? Yeah, there is a there is a lot of pressure and the, the rate of complaints against GPs and doctors in general is going up astronomically. Um, and it is a fear that a genuine fear uh, that a lot of doctors live with and they have that anxiety bubbling away all the time, Mark, because people are so quick to complain um, and it's so 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 stressful for a doctor to to be faced with these kind of complaints and yes if you haven't followed the guidelines and and done a b c d and all of that and documented it all um because you know you've got loads of time in 10 minutes to do all of this uh, and be really clear in the notes so you can you know your notes basically have your back if things start going wrong um then yeah you could be called to account by your peers you know you've got these guidelines dr coffee why haven't you followed them um yeah and you know where I was, it's and and to, in a ten minute to ha, a ten minute appointment to have that discussion about your sleep, your stress levels, your nutrition, your exercise, your caffeine intake, your uh, your relationships with people. You know, you you, can't, you just can't do it, Mark. You cannot do it. Um, I find that if I do that once in the morning or afternoon surgery, I'm running behind, and then I'm I'm playing catch up to to you know try and get everybody else through. Because yeah. the other thing people complain about is how long they kept waiting if we keep them waiting too long. You know, you can't yeah. win in, in the NHS GP if you want to practice this kind of lifestyle medicine. You can't do it for, for everyone. There just isn't the time. I would love it that more and more GPs did it. Um, but it takes a lot of time. I mean, in the long term, it would take less time because less people would be coming to see us. Um, but you know it's here and now GPs are struggling there's not enough of us to to do what we're being asked to do Um, and you know as a profession we're really struggling yeah I'm just very conscious because we've talked a lot about different approaches and it might come across that we're criticizing GPs and I'm I'm certainly not because I know how tough it is Um, and I I know a few GPs and I do know how tough it is for them and I I get how frustrating particularly for, for someone like yourself who's trying to trying to go down a slightly different path maybe that you're not getting the opportunity to do that um and like you say that the complaints are very high and and i hear people complain all the time people go through their life looking for reasons to complain so the minute they're late for their appointment the minute something doesn't work you give them the wrong pill or the side effects of the pill you know they don't match up with another pill people want to complain straight away and i get that must be so frustrating for you and, and so hard for you to go I personally, I'd find that really hard to go to work every day because I wouldn't be able to give the advice that I really wanted to give. It, it, it is really difficult. And um, I guess that's why I enjoy so much what I do outside of my NHS job. You know, the, the personal health coaching with people who actually want to take responsibility for for their health. Um, because, you know, I don't have the time to unpick all that with people at, at work. Um, and you're working under a different, a different hat. You know, if, I, if I'm working as an NHS, NHS GP, there are certain things that, that I need to do to, to fit that, that mould of the job. Uh, and a lot of that is prescriptions, unfortunately. But mm. there is an expectation from a lot of people that that's what they're going to get when they come in and see us anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people would be disappointed if they come into the surgery and went out without a bit of paper, um, a little green slip of paper to get them some pills. No, then, I, yeah. I actually, I actually had a complaint recently, Mark, where I advised somebody to have a trial of drinking water, hydrate properly, see if that got rid of these vague sort of headaches. And uh, I had a complaint and um, wouldn't even give it a week. I wanted medication. So, you know, yeah, there's not a lot you can do about that, unfortunately. Um, no, there really. are more people like yourself, um, a lot of functional medical practitioners that are coming out on social media and, and are, are building businesses outside of the surgery for exactly the reasons we've talked about in these two episodes. And it's great that more people are doing that. And hopefully the message will start to get across to more people. Yeah, I mean, the message I would love to, to get across to people is that, you know, your health at the end of the day is your responsibility. You might be lacking knowledge. Um, it's out there, but uh, it can be a it can be really confusing uh, who to who to sort of believe. Certainly, don't get your health education from the sensationalist um, headlines on the news uh, or the fear mongering kind of stuff that yeah. that comes on the news. Don't don't do it that way. You know, go to a credible source, somebody like you, somebody like me, who's you know done all the research, done the legwork, practicing what they preach. Um, so you know go and get the knowledge off someone sometimes you might a lot of people might need that accountability to get them over that initial sort of hurdle of getting started and getting the momentum going before they can sort of freewheel and just live a healthy life themselves you know do it you know if you care about living care about what you live in your body you know do what it takes and um, you're not necessarily going to get that from going down to see your doctor these days yeah absolutely Thank you, Julie. Thank you for sharing all that information. It's been great to have a GP on the, on the podcast. My um, pleasure. And I've loved it. And I love that uh, everything you're trying to encourage your, your clients, your patients to do is, is everything that, that we're all trying to encourage them to do on the podcast, which is, to, like you say, take responsibility for their life and understand that they don't have to feel shit every day. Feeling bloated and tired and have headaches is not the normal way to be just because you're over 40. And there is a, there is a, a better way to live and there is a, a happier healthier way to live it doesn't have to be all, all downhill once you get past 40 or 50 years old no it doesn't it certainly doesn't so after listening to that with dr julie coffee i'm hoping i don't have to invite you over to the show notes to connect with her on instagram and facebook i'm sure you're probably already doing that whilst you listen to this podcast i'm sure your thumb is is searching over your smartphone you're trying to find her on social media it's well worth doing guys i'm sure i'm sure you've got a ton of information from that and i'm sure you've got a different approach i'm sure we hear a lot from our gps about what pill could cure could cure different ailments and i think it's amazing that that julie is actually a serving gp and yet she's trying to take this different approach with her patients as well, whilst also trying to get it out onto the onto the wider web and, and to try and educate and help as many people as possible. So when you do find Julie on social media, you'll find her no-nonsense approach and her very honest portrayal of, of modern medicine and the way we could all treat ourselves in a more natural way, as she's just touched on in the last sort of 40 minutes on these two episodes. And I love her content, the short, sharp piece to camera videos that just give you that information that you really, really need. No, no fluff, just, just straight to the point information. Well worth watching, nice and easy to digest. And if you really want to make a dent on your own internal health and you really want to tackle issues such as high cholesterol, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, and you don't want to revert to pills because you don't have to in many instances then check out my Path to Happiness program because one of the five key modules there is your internal health and we look at 
exactly that, how to cope with things like type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, high cholesterol, stress management, without reverting to pills. Uh, so many of my clients in the past have come off blood pressure medication and things like that and type 2 diabetes medication purely by making simple, simple changes from my Path Tablets program. And I'm so pleased when people come off the medication. I cannot tell you how happy that makes me that they can start to regulate their own lifestyle so they're no longer needing pills. And don't forget with type 2 diabetes, that can easily turn to type 1. And once you're on that, you're injecting yourself with insulin for the rest of your life. So let's get a handle on it now before it becomes too late. Thank you again for everyone who's listened to this episode. Please go over and subscribe. And if you get a minute, please rate and review the podcast. It means so much to myself and my guests to know that you're listening and you're getting a lot of information from us and you're enjoying the podcast as well, which is most important of all. Coming up in episode 43, as mentioned before, we've got Dr. Lacey Chittle, who is going to continue Julie's message without actually knowing Julie, um, but it's going to be along the same the same theme, um, and it, you're going to get even more information. And this is going to come from California in the States as well, but you'll find that even across the miles, the message is exactly the same, going to the root cause, and we're going to tap into some different areas with Lacey as well. So don't think it's going to mirror what Julie said, absolutely not. It's just going to tie in very nicely with what Julie's said in these last two podcasts, but we're going to touch on different areas. Inflammation is one that stands out a mile with Lacey. We're going to talk a lot about that, and we're going to use my dad again as a reference. That's a very good job he doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm not too sure he'd like to be mentioned in all these episodes, but there we go. Come back in a few days, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. That'll be episode 43 in a couple of days with Dr. Lacey Chittle.